2: Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to
0: iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals. all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas,
2: together and loving it. TNCs apply.
0: There have been many stories about Origin. Slater down the ground. He kicks the game. He'll get there. He's up. On SEN. We're proud to bring you our homegrown Queensland Origin Legends. Queensland! It's a miracle! The Untold Stories. Proudly supported by Franklin.
3: Hi, this is Scott Sattler and welcome to Origin Legends, The Untold Stories, where we look into Origin careers through the eyes of the players that didn't get the accolades of the Lewises, the Lockyers, the Langers and the Cam Smiths, but still played a pivotal role in the history of Queensland's state of origin. From Game 1 in 1980, when Big Artie led his players into battle against the might of the Blues, that night and that very image of the immortal Arthur and gave hope to the future of Queensland Rugby League. The Untold Stories follows the players who wore the mighty Maroon jumper with pride and distinction but never dominated the headlines like some of their teammates, but their story is still just as important. This is their story. We stand up. We stand up. And on this first episode of Origin Legends, the untold stories, we go way back to the night of July 8th, 1980, Lang Park. And one of the most popular rugby league trivia questions is who played 5-8 in the first State of Origin for Queensland? One of the most common answers is Wiley Lewis. But of course, it was Alan Smith, the boy from Toowoomba. And he joins us on today's episode to discuss the recollections of not only the interstate series that came before State of Origin, but also the one and only State of Origin clash in 1980, which he played a major role. Welcome to the show, Alan Smith. Thank you, Scotty. How are you? I'm really well, really well. And, of course, you and I have known each other for many, many years. Um, Been a close family friend you have. And, and, you know, when we think about your career, it it goes all the way back to to where you were brought up. But before we talk about that, Al, and around origin time, as a former player and, and now a fan, do you still get a little bit nervous around origin time?
2: Yeah, I certainly do. You know, I, I was lucky enough, obviously, to play in uh, game one in 1980. But then I had a, a fairly uh, extended period where I was a, a Queensland selector, and so that's kept me in the, in the in the in the group as such for a very long time. And uh, but yeah, I, I love it. I think that um, it certainly has grown way beyond what we thought it was in 1980 or what it could be. But uh, it's it's a it's a tremendous um, you know. Spectacle of the game these
3: days. Yeah, we're going to touch on that really soon about what your thoughts were leading into that first origin, whether it would be something that would have a you know, quite a not only a lucrative future but a, a long future in, in rugby league. But first and foremost, playing footy at a young age. You're raised on the Darling Downs, yes? Yeah,
2: born yeah. and bred in Toowoomba, played um, right up until um, my uh, senior years here in Toowoomba and then went to Sydney. Uh, but yeah, uh, Toowoomba Valleys, uh, the home of uh, John McDonald. and a couple of other well-known identities. But, yeah, it was a great rugby league town.
3: Yeah, explain how important it was, rugby league, to the town of, of the Darling Down region because it was, it was basically like a religion, wasn't it, On the, in Toowoomba? It Taumbu. was.
2: You know, and, you know, it's difficult, for some, I think, for some of the, the people of today to understand exactly how bush football was so important to the locals. You know, back in, the, uh, in those sort of eras, you could play for Australia. From um, from Turma and the Darling Downs, and the competition here was it was very good. You know, you had a number of uh, Tourma clubs, and you had uh, clubs like Oakey. You had uh, Allora Clifton, which was where Greg Platts came from, and Rowan Hancock and Lou Platts. And, and Greg represented Australia from the Toowoomba competition, playing for uh, Wattles. So, you know, it's difficult to quite understand that when you see today's how. Rugby league has evolved, and you know the uh, the area was such a, you know, is much more expansive than it was in those days. And then you used to have the Brisbane competition, which was really good, and then obviously the Sydney, which which was the pinnacle of all rugby league for uh, for a lot of years.
3: Al, it's it's hard to explain to rugby league fans of a of a younger demographic now when you just explain. Then where players were picked out of their country teams to represent their country, it's it's just insane to even think that even happened.
2: Yeah, well, Cock played most of his whole career here in Toowoomba. And he represented Australia, you know, um, after the, uh, in, the, in the early 80s. And, uh, you know, that, the competition here, they had him and Greg Platts and um, a bunch of crazy farmers from out that way, which were as hard as nails. Um, they were a really good side, and they just loved nothing else to punish you. You'd play with them one weekend in a representative game, and then the next weekend you'd play against them in a, in a local <laughs> club game. And they had loved nothing better to, uh, you know, terrorise you.
3: A little bit the Australian front yeah. row back in the 50s. Wasn't it? Dud Beattie, Gary Parcell and Noel Kelly yeah. all playing out of Ipswich.
2: Yeah. So, we you know, one of my first coaches was a bloke by the name of Herb Steinhardt. Absolute legend here in, in Toowoomba. And he, you know, basically coached... I oh, went to Toowoomba East, which is right next to the Athletic Oval or the, the stadium here in Toowoomba. And... um you know, Herb was always around coaching at that point in time. And, you know, uh, you know, he was a very large influence in the early years. You know, he was a, a man that stood, look, I reckon he was 6'10". Well, he wasn't six foot ten, but he was a very straight. Always wore, wore a suit, jacket and collar and tie to training. And he'd stand there when he had hands that were about the size of, you know, three footballs. And just, you know, he was a great influence on a lot of people out of Toowoomba.
3: What about growing up as a kid playing in Toowoomba? You had to be tough to play in those cold winters. <laughs>
2: yeah, I was talking about just something the other day. Yeah, I can remember uh, getting knocked out uh, in with my lake last year or so at, at Toowoomba. It wasn't so much that I got knocked out with a uh, head high or whatever. My head hit the ground and it was like, you know, July or something. And it was like concrete. It was that cold. And, uh, yes, yeah, so it, it gets chilly, particularly if you're going to go out and play at an Alara Clifton out there where the wind comes straight across the plains <laughs> and, uh, and I remember uh, it not only gets cold, but uh, well, we played the Gold Coast one day and they were complaining they couldn't see the opposition. We used to kick the ball in the air and the fog had rolled in and you, you couldn't see from one end of the field to the other.
3: Yeah, great, great. Now, did you grow up like most Queensland kids, seeing Queensland getting smashed each year in the Interstate Series?
2: Certainly did. And I think that was a, a big part of my, you know, and I played in it. You know, I, I uh, represented Queensland mm. from um, 1976, 77, 78, 79, and then uh, in 1980 I moved to Sydney. Uh, but you know, the, the history of, um, of uh, Origin was the fact that we'd play. You know, the, Sydney's competition was, it was excellent, the Brisbane competition was really good. But the thing was that they played a tougher style of rugby league for the full 80 minutes. And in, in a lot of those early games when we played against New South Wales, it would be that we'd be fairly competitive right up until, you know, the 65th or 70th minute and just their superior skills and probably you know they played a lot of harder harder, greater football more often um, than the last 10 minutes they used to beat us and, and, and more tragically the people who made a lot of damage was um, Queenslanders, like in 1979 I think Kerry said was mm. playing for New South Wales, We went to the Roosters and you know, I played with Kerry a couple of years earlier when he was a kid out of um, uh, Innisfail we played together in the Queensland countryside we played the city side I think we beat him or whatever it was. And then he got picked up and went to Sydney. And he was actually on the opposite in the, you know, opposing us. And I think one night he scored three ties. So it made it difficult when you sat there and said, here's a mate, learnt and grew up at football in Queensland, you know, putting their Queensland side to the sword.
3: Now, and for those listeners that don't understand what the Interstate Series was before State of Origin, if you were a Queensland player, but you went down and played in a New South Wales competition, well, you represented New South Wales, like you are talking about, Arthur Beetson, Rod Reddy, Kerry Boasted yep. and the likes. Yep. Um, now, when you pick for Queensland in 77, uh, 76, 77, you're playing for Toowoomba Valleys. 1979, was,
2: you... Uh, played for Toowoomba Valleys.
3: Yep. yep. You yep. scored four tries in Interstate Clash versus New South Wales and still lost the game.
2: Yeah, that was in 1979. And in that game, Kerry Boasted won Man of the Match for New South Wales, and he scored three tries. So you know, i give him a bit of uh, crap about that after the game, but... Uh, yeah, it was interesting. You know, it was a tough. We we lost thirty two twenty in those stages. A try was worth three, and a goal two. So, um, yeah, it was just you know, and soul destroying at times. You know, you work really hard, but in the end, it's, it's people like Bowie. and uh, in that stage. I think Rod Morris was playing for New South Wales. John Lang was playing for New South Wales, and um, you know they had obviously had some great players too. You know, like Steve Rogers, Mick Cronin, um, and Rocket, of course. Uh, and just yeah, you know, as I said, soul destroying when we try so hard, get so close, and you get beaten by a Queenslander.
3: Yeah, now two interstate matches in 1980. First one by New South Wales 35-3 at Lang Park. Yep. Second, at Leichhardt Oval in front of a crowd of a whopping crowd of 1368 people. New South Wales win that 17-7. Yep. Now you went to the North Sydney Bears in 1980. You're ineligible to play for Queensland because you're in New South Wales. But then this concept called state of origin gets raised. Senator Ron McAuliffe is the first to raise it, which was going to be for the third game and one game only, in 1980. Can you remember when you heard about this new concept called state of origin?
2: They, they, there was talk of it, um, you know, pre, you know, pre 1980. There was, you know, there was discussion, you know, mild around the inner in a group that the uh there needed to be something done. You know, the senator was always fairly progressive. He wanted to. Uh, You know, to improve the game in Queensland, make it more of a spectacle and more importantly, he wanted Queensland to win. So, you know, I suppose he was a bit of a vested interest there. You know, if you have some of your quality players playing in New South Wales, you'd like to get them back. So, you know, he'd floated this, I think, a few times, but in 1980, it started to gather momentum because, you know, we hadn't won a series for I don't know how many years. And, you know, it had dropped off. The old days where they used to have it at the SCG of a Sunday afternoon. Then it moved to a midweek. Mind you, TV had a lot to do with that. But, you know, it didn't have the same the interstate games, didn't have the same prowess as it, as it previously did. I think when your dad was, was a, you know, first played uh, interstate football. So they were looking for something to reinvigorate the interstate series. And, and the senator worked very hard and got the concept up and running and, the rest is history.
3: Now seven Sydney based players who represented Queensland that night in game yeah. in the first game of State of Origin. Can you name all seven, including yourself? So six more. Yeah.
2: Yeah, Kerry Bosted, Greg Olfant, myself in the backs, and you had Rocket, um uh, Rod Morris, Johnny Lang, um Yeah. Got a, uh, Arthur, of course. <laughs> yeah. So the whole front row was New South Wales. Yeah. Um, Second rowers was Rocket and uh, Rowan Hancock, who was playing at um, Idols. Of course, Wally was Locke, Greg Oliphant, myself, and then Choppy and uh, Mal. Not not a bad couple of centers. You wouldn't mind passing the ball to them and following up.
3: Exactly. And
2: then Kerry Bowstead and and, um, Brad Backer and uh, Colin Scott.
3: Yeah. Great team, great team. Now, you were selected as 5'8", and a young Wally Lewis, who goes on to Captain Queensland the following year in '81. He's at lock in jersey number eight. Back then, was Wally playing lock at Valleys in Brisbane at that stage?
2: Yeah, I think he was. You know, you know, he's such a versatile player. Wally could play anywhere. Um, but he had, you know, he started his career at lock when he first went to Valleys. I think by then he had started to transition to five eight. Um, and uh, but you know, like anything I was very lucky that uh, they he decided that they decided to pick him at lock and. As I said, the rest is history.
3: Well, this is Queensland Origin Legends, the Untold Stories, proudly brought to you by Armor X by Franklin. Security screens with strength. And look, let's get to a break and look into the match itself. When we return, the build-up and some of the memorable moments through the eyes of Queensland's first number six, Alan Smith.
0: Proudly supported by Franklin. This is SEN's Queensland Origin Legends, the Untold Stories. Supported by Franklin. This is SEN's Queensland Origin Legends. The Untold Stories.
3: Yeah, welcome back to Queensland Origin Legends, the Untold Stories. Scott Sattler here, and we're joined by Alan Smith, the first 5'8 in the 1980 State of Origin, which was you know went on to become really the, the pioneer game and, and led a pathway for a lot of rugby league players to come after. And what is State of Origin today? We've recapped his well, his junior rugby league in, in Toowoomba into the senior rugby league, going down to Sydney. And then we're talking about the 1980s, the very first game when you're selected uh, to represent Queensland Maroons under a completely different format. Now, Al, you get selected. The match is on a Tuesday. Now, these days, they go into camp for 10 days. Can you recall when you went into camp?
2: Well, it was, it was groundbreaking. In those days, uh, we used to go into camp, obviously, but because most of the uh, the players were, well, you know, seven of us were um, Sydney-based, um, they decided to have a training run. So we came up the week before. I think it was on a Monday. We trained Monday afternoon, bid on a Tuesday, and flew back to Sydney for training on Tuesday afternoon, played the game on Sunday, uh, played for our clubs, and then um, come back to... Uh, Brisbane on a Sunday night uh, for the game on Tuesday night.
3: Hang on a sec. So you travel back to train with your club and play on Sunday with your club in Sydney.
2: Correct. And then play the then toughest game of Orange, rugby league on, on Tuesday. Tuesday.
3: Yep. I, I don't think the, uh, I don't think the, the current day <laughs> sports scientists would really agree with that <laughs> today, Al. Well, I
2: think, I think not, not only that, the coaches would be a heart attack. You know, I, I could well imagine, you know, Billy letting, um, yeah, his whole team disappeared for a weekend game, for a for a Wednesday night, and bring him back in. You'd be going, "Oh my god, who, yeah. who we got left <laughs> after the Sunday?" Now so it was, it was. I still remember. I'm going, "Oh shit! I hope I don't get hurt. I hope I don't get hurt." But yeah, I don't know if I, I can't remember the game we played, but uh, I think I ran around behind Donnie, Kinnon, Donnie McKinnon and uh, Heat for most of that game,
3: catching pass, catching pass. Now when you go into camp, and pass. when Ask you me, when you go into the camp, the image of Arthur Beatson when you saw him now as a teammate, did it leave an impression on you?
2: Oh yes, without doubt. You know, from the time we started, we were, we had a pretty uh pretty group. You know, in in the IQ, footy IQ. It was it wasn't bad. Like you know, Johnny Langby were the most astute footballers you'd ever meet. You know, Arthur was a legend, and you know, from the time we went up the previous week, and Rocket, of course, you know, they started. Cracker was the coach. You know, he set the format, but um, after that, you know, basically um, Arthur and Rocket and the you know, the senior statesmen of the team basically ran the training sessions. You know, they kind of, you know, took it all upon themselves to make sure that, you know, we were going to do everything we can to win this game. I
3: remember talking to Choppy Close, uh, one of the great origin legends who played that game with you and was man of the match in that first game. And I remember talking to him about when he first saw Arthur walk in. He was a lot younger than you at that stage then, Choppy, but he he, he spoke about the aura of Arthur when he walked into a room.
2: It was, you know, he, he still had, you know, I, I spoke to him you know, I had a fair bit to do with Arthur after, you know, that particular thing and going on to, you know, our selection uh, together in Australia and Queensland. And, you know, he always amazed me with his breadth of knowledge and, and understanding of the game. And, and he brought that to the first origin, you know, you can't believe it. He was playing reserve grade at Parramatta and started with Queensland and, and you yeah, know, he was tremendous. You know, probably being up to and, and during the game it's, it's you know great to have a general like him on the field that uh, you know he was in control never felt that we were ever going to be threatened
3: now was there much bonding in the 1980 state of origin match
2: ah uh, yes there was some bonding uh, you know, it wasn't quite you say uh, the sports scientists would have been a bit worried about some <laughs> of the things but again it was a pretty tight schedule so you know um it wasn't much we could want. So we come up as I said, we only had a training run over we had a few beers and a dinner I think when we come up the week before. But it was pretty as I say, pretty full on, you know, and again we we come back into camp on the Sunday night, you know, we're gonna play Tuesday night. It wasn't it wasn't too much we were gonna do at that point in time. But uh, yeah, getting home on the Wednesday was a bit more of a, a problematic exercise.
3: Now Al, was there anything that sticks out in your head in relation to the lead, out, lead up? to that first Origin match. Is there anything that's vivid? Now, did the Queensland fans, did they have faith? Did they feel as though something was possibly building, seeing all these great Queensland players were able to return?
2: You know, I think that it was embraced by the Queensland public. You know, I think they were pushing for it as much as uh, the Senator was. You know, we have all gone through, you know, we were very well supported even those early years that, you know, all the games we we got so close to Queensland. Lane Park was always packed. There's, you know, always a tremendous crowd there. So the Queensland public were dying for an era where they could, you know, champion their team home. And uh, they could see this and, uh, you know, having legends like Arthur and uh, Rocket and Langey and, uh, the rest of the guys that came back, you know, it was a, a sense of anticipation that this is our opportunity. And I think the team felt that, you know, we had, if, if they would, we wouldn't we would have won game one in 1980, the concept would have been dead.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Many believe,
2: so, many believe you know, that. Yeah. But, yeah, but, you know, the, you can feel the vibe in Brisbane. You know, the fact is, and then you get there on the night of the game and, and you know, the place is packed. It was amazing. Uh, the, it, we, it was It was still a bit of a chill up my spine when I think about it now. It was, uh, yeah, pretty amazing.
3: Now, Wally Lewis, as we said earlier on, he was the lock forward in jersey number eight that night. And and on that night, he was, from memory, he may have only been about 21, 22. Might have only been 21. Yeah, Wally well, was just...
2: Yeah, well, I think yeah, it might have been just just twenty-one. You know, obviously uh, he he came through the ranks at Valleys and he, he was superstar in the making, or was at that point in time. Had all the skills, Wally, but large enough to play, you know, big enough guy, and he he reveled. You know, Rocket took it under his wing, and Arthur, and they said, Wally, we need to hear you here, do that. Uh, they recognised what skill level he had, and what he could do, and what he couldn't do. So I think that they um, you know they invested very heavily in his ability, and they were very confident that. Uh, you know, he was, you know, well at home at lock or anywhere in the team. So, yeah, you know, there was, was certainly a, a great you know, thing that we had a number of young blokes. It was like Mal and Choppy and, and uh, Wally and uh, a blending of the older guys. Could and you somewhere in the middle.
3: Could you, see, could you see it yourself with Wally? Could you see that there was something special emerging?
2: Oh, yeah. I'd, I'd seen him play with Wally the year before. Yeah, he was a great player. You know, he just had skill set that, you know, as I said, big enough to play in the fours, but the skills of a back, the speed of a back. And he had a brilliant brain. You know, the fact is that he could see two or three plays in advance. You know, and you watch some of what he's going. And he'll sit in the blind side and all of a sudden, bang, creates a gap, creates an opportunity or puts a guy over for a try or does it himself. Um, you know, he was always going to be a superstar.
3: Now, before we get to the break and when we come back from the break, we're going to discuss some of the big moments. I just want to I want to leave with this. This vivid this vivid picture that is still sits in a lot of rugby league fans' minds, especially if you're a Queensland fan. And we're just going to play some audio here, Alan. I'll, I'll get your response on the back of this. So as we get into the night of the match, massive crowd at Lang Park. And as the sides run out, and you got to remember back then, each player was introduced individually. And then the biggest cheer was for this.
1: This is the moment they've been waiting for here at Lang Park for 35-year-old Arthur Beetson to wear a maroon jersey. Beetson left here very early in his career, but now returns in probably the twilight of his career to lead this Queensland side in the match tonight. Beetson, as I said, 35 years of age, plays for Parramatta in Sydney, New South Wales and Australian representative from 1966 to 1977 and playing his first match as captain of the Queensland side tonight.
3: And like you, Al, one and only match for Queensland, but what a match it was, but the the image of Arthur running on that field with all that, that ball resin over the front of his jersey and the the crowd just welcoming all you players home again, it, it must bring chills to the back of your spine when you hear things like that.
2: It does. Oh, you know, it still seems to be useful. I, I still have a vivid memory of Arthur standing there and then going through the, the prelims to introduce him. And as you say, with the resin that was all over his uh, jersey, you know, he was very instrumental in, in um you know getting the team to the right uh, mindset before the game and you know I was in no doubt that uh, you know all we need to do is follow Arthur. He you know he was gonna lead from the front and uh it was gonna be on.
3: And Al what about the famous voice of Billy J. Smith? He was the voice of Queensland Rugby League back then, wasn't he?
2: <laughs> he was, Billy J. He uh, he was a bit of a legend. Uh yeah, well, he, he did a lot of the calling in those days. Um and, and again, you know, great football uh legend there in his own right, Billy.
3: Yeah, let's take a break and discuss some of the big moments after the break on Game 1 in 1980. Origin Legends, the Untold Stories, brought to you by Armor, X by Franklin. St- security screens with strength and, look, don't go anywhere.
0: Proudly supported by Franklin. This is SEN's Queensland Origin Legends, the Untold Stories. supported by Franklin, this is SEN's Queensland Origin Legends, the untold stories.
3: Yeah, welcome back. Scott Sattler here, and we're joined by Alan Smith, the first five-eighth in State of Origin in 1980, and some of the big moments throughout the game, uh, Smithy. And before we talk about those, did you feel New South Wales still had an air of arrogance leading into that State of Origin match?
2: Oh, yeah, without doubt, you know... Uh, it all revolved around Phillips Street in those days. You know, the, that was the epicentre of the world. The uh, the New South Wales, I think, guys thought that, you know, they were a, a cut above the Queenslanders, even though that there was a lot of Queenslanders playing in the uh, New South Wales Rugby League at that point in time. But, yeah, I still don't think they've lost their arrogance. They still have a bit of a swagger about <laughs> them. Not as much as they used to. But, you know, they probably had a right to be that way. You know, New, Queensland hadn't won a series for uh, 20 or 30 years before 1980, and, you know, it was always a bunch of great guys trying their hardest, but, you know, we never, never quite got there. So, um, you know, and New South well, Wales probably, as I said, thought that all they needed to do was turn up and mm. the result would be guaranteed.
3: And what a shock they got. And there was uh, a game that was littered with great moments. But first and foremost, let's listen to the first try, which is scored by New South Wales as the first points or the first try of the match.
1: Here's Edie, danger man, dummies, but all wrapped up. Got his pass back nicely to Cronin. This is good. Cronin, oh, pushed away the tackle. Still kept going and still going. This is danger. On it goes to um, Edge. Edge away to Brentnell. Goes for the corner and he's in. Yes, the first try of the match coming up for New South Wales. And that was Brentnell.
3: Some great players mentioned there for New South Wales as well. Greg Brentnell on yep. the left wing scores the first try. Al, did you did you still feel you're okay or was there a, a thought amongst yeah, many that, that here we go no, again?
2: No, not really. I. Uh, yeah, as I said, the, the scene was set from the first scrum of the game when I think Arthur uh, took Peter Wynn's head off nearly in the scrum. I don't think that was allowed these days, but uh, I think it was fair game in those. But the, the, we, I didn't think at any point that we were in danger. Yes, a little bit of a setback. But I, I think that, you know, once we got in our groove, and as I say, you know, it just started to roll from there. I, you know, as a game, I was confident that we had the manpower and game plan to win that game.
3: Now, not long after that, after that try, and we allude to the influence that Artie Beetson had, not only on the field as a player, but also as the, I suppose, the father figure as the side, the protector of the side. And all of a sudden, this happened with Graham Wynn.
1: But eventually going to be wrapped up. That'll be the final tackle. and won the Queensland. <laughs> oh, gee, there's a big one by Wynne. Beetson no, came at him. Actually, uh... It was Greg Oliphant that put the first one in, and a niggly little one, and it's in. It. It's on for young and old now, breaking up in various directions. Oh.
2: Chris Close put Alan Thompson down,
1: and there's players going in all directions. Still, it's Morris. And uh, oh, look one at that! Going on. They're still going. Oliphant moving Hoop. in at Rogers. They're coming in everywhere, and still, this huge melee of players.
3: Yeah, and there's little Alan Smith, the number six, trying to pull players off Rod Morris and. Hey? it was it was all in, yeah, was well, you know,
2: the best place in those places. You don't get it between Choppy and the opposition or Arthur and the opposition or Rocket. So the best place is just to stack them, make it, a them, a stack them.
3: Did you think it was a turning point? Uh, uh
2: yeah, I think that yeah, it well, was I think it was a critical point in the game. Um I think that until then you saw Wallace going to and along. Um yeah, I think it certainly ignited a bit more, It probably upset them more than it you know, destabilised us. Um, but again, I was always pretty confident, you know, would wear them down. Again, you know, they hadn't seen much of Mal and Choppy and, and Wally, and, um, you know, I think that they, they contributed significantly to the the outcome of that game.
3: Now, not long after that fight between Beetson and Wynn, they did change the rhythm of the game, the Queensland players, because then this happened.
1: Wang, then by Beats it on the blind. Back inside to Lewis. Turns it away to Oliphant. They're moving nicely. Smith, Meninga, close, close. Gets it away to Boosted. This could be the try they're after. Yes, it is. He's over. Running around and Boosted is in. Kerry Boosted finishing off a great piece of work by the Queensland backline.
3: One of the great wingers of all time, Kerry Bosted. You're mentioned there as well. In a, in a day, Al Smith, when the centres played alongside each other, Meninga to choppy close. Yep
2: yep yeah not a not a bad combination uh yeah the game has changed a bit over the time, but those days, yeah your centers played a lot together. The whole idea is you just get on the outside of your man uh, create a bit of an overlap, and your wingers do the rest
3: yeah it's beautiful skill half time it was a lead to queensland nine five it was three point tries like you said earlier on, and on the back of a try yep. and three penalty goals by the birthday boy and Mal Meninggo was twenty that day. Can you I recall what no. it was what the move was like? yeah, not a bad birthday present. what was the uh what was the mood yeah. like in the in the sheds? It would have been full of confidence.
2: Yeah, well, I think very much so. I think you know, Cracker sat us down and and Arthur and him went through the process that we needed to go through. Uh, a lot of calmness, you know. There's a lot of experience in that room. You know, Langie, Roddy Morris, you know Arthur, of course, Rocket. Um, yeah, they've been played for Australia, and um, we were, we, as I said, we we're always confident what the outcome could be. We just need to stick to our game plan and do what we intended to do.
3: Now, one of the most memorable tries, I think, still today in, in Origin history was scored by the man you've mentioned a number of times. Let's listen to it, Choppy Close. That's the
1: New South Wales quarter line, mm. you can see. This is Johnny Lang, it up the centre, back to Lang, sends it away to Meninga. Meninga to Close, Close cutting back the other way, catches the defence on the wrong foot, he's broken through, he's coming up to Weedy, gets away from Weedy, he's over underneath. Chris Close, great piece of work. But that could be the one to break the New
3: South Wales back. Yeah, he stood up Wombat Eadie, didn't he, at fullback. And and as Billy Smith said, he had a night out, didn't he, to Cunnamola fella, at 21 years of age. Uh, Chris Choppy close. Um, Billy Smith said that could be the one that broke New South Wales back. Do, do you think it did?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, at the point in time, we just thought, you know, we, we needed to just keep doing what we're doing. You know, Choppy, is well, Wombat wasn't the only fullback that missed Miss Choppy one-on-one. <laughs> Uh, you know, he was a pretty formidable um, unit when he uh, got in the open. He had a bit of a big, a fair bit of speed. He's a big unit, uh, had some skill sets. You know, with a swerve and a, a palm. So I'm not sure I'd like to be trying to take him down.
3: Now, uh, Tommy Rodonica scores to to get a little bit closer to Queensland, and after that try, and Arthur has fought Graham win, and he uh, took off Gary Hambly's head, and then his teammate Mick Cronin. When you when you saw him hit Mick Cronin with a Beautiful left swinging arm while he was standing at tackle. Can you remember whether you thought? uh, Hang on a sec. Even though we're going to probably win here tonight, there's something different about what Origin is going to be from this day forward.
2: Yeah, I think there's a lot of passion, a lot of bent up, uh, you know, frustration. As I said, for a number of years that you know we hadn't had an opportunity to win a a game like this, and um, I think that just is an extension of it. You know, Arthur was fully committed. You know, It didn't matter if they were uh, teammates or mates from uh, uh, his uh, Australian days. Uh, he had a job to do, and uh, he was the enforcer. He and, was and I think that's the what, for the rest of the I Dubai. think that's what
3: shocked everyone, Smitty, wasn't it? That there were former teammates that, that Arthur was just saying to everyone, I don't care whether you're, you're my mate before the game and after the game. This 80 minutes is, is completely different. It means something you know, special.
2: Well, I think that's where the Queenslander spirit came from. The fact is, you know, we can be you can play with a guy in Sydney, but you know, when, it, when you put on that Maroon jersey, you know, it's a diff, total different mindset. As you know, you know, there is nothing you wouldn't do. You'd run through the brick wall. There's things you probably wouldn't do in a, in a uh, club game, but you know, the the game meant so much. You know, he knew what he needed to do, and you know, probably wasn't as as quick and skillful as he was a couple of years earlier. But he still had the uh, the nous and ability and toughness to um, you know be a dominant figure in the game.
3: Now, I'm not sure whether the 80 minutes was a quick 80 minutes or it felt like a week, but you finally heard <laughs> this hooter to finish the game.
1: He did a kick for touch. There's a full-time hooter and it's all over. Queensland have defeated New South Wales by 20 points to 10 after they led by 9 points to 5 at half-time. For Queensland, tries by Boosted and Chris Vose. Uh, and in the kicking department, Malcolm Meninga has finished up with seven goals out of seven. Seven out of seven for Malcolm Meninga. For New South Wales, Brentnell and Radonica's tries and Mick Cronin, two goals from three attempts.
3: Malcolm Meninga. Not Mal, Malcolm. <laughs> <Hey>? <laughs> yeah, well, early days there. <laughs> now, days after the State of Origin match, you all would have gone back to your, your clubs, whether you are in New South Wales or not. Can you recall what the feeling was like amongst fans and, and other players immediately after the match?
2: Yeah, it was, it was tremendous. You know, the reception we got after the game and then that went back to the hotel. And uh, as I said, uh, I was rooming with, with Ollie, which is, you know, that's, that can always be a challenge. Um, you know what halfbacks are like? And uh, I do remember that uh, I think when we got, first got into camp after, you know, of the Sunday night, he rang up Tommy and just gave him a mouthful and told him what he what he was going to do to him. So that went on for two days before the game <laughs> because they had room together as a kangaroo pairing and... Uh, yeah, you know, halfbacks in those days uh, took much delight, and 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 Tommy was the absolute champion. He just tried to demoralise and 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 just grind the opposition halfback into the dust. Uh, and and Nolly found a bit of a um, a kindred spirit and uh, somebody that he couldn't dominate as quickly. Mind yeah. you, when you're on the back foot, it's a bit more difficult.
3: Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, this is Origin Legends: The Untold Stories. Proudly brought to you by Armourex by Franklin Security Screens with strength and looks. Don't go anywhere. We're going to wrap the show up.
0: Proudly supported by Franklin. This is SEN's Queensland Origin Legends. The Untold Stories. Proudly supported by Franklin. This is SEN's Queensland Origin Legends. The Untold Stories.
3: Yeah, welcome back. Scott Sadler here and we're joined by... Form well, Origin great Alan Smith, and it's been a terrific chat down memory lane about what the game used to look like compared to what it is today. And and talking about that first Origin in 1980, Al, is it still a major highlight of your career? Something you're you're so proud of to be part of?
2: Oh, without doubt. You know, as I said, it was it was great to be a part of something that has actually changed the fabric of rugby league. You know, without Origin, I don't think you'd have. Um, some of these spectacles we've seen today. And, and, you know, I've been lucky enough to be part of a lot of that journey um, at different times, doing different things. But, you know, it's provided some great spectacles over the years. And, you know, the, I just hope the young guys... And I, I see it, you know, the, the group that Billy's got there now, that they just get the feel of how much it means to Queensland. You know, it, you know and still, I go to—I used to go to a lot of games in Sydney. You know, but no matter what you say, the New South Wales people do not and say respect, but do not understand or give it the same value, I think, as Queenslanders do. Yeah,
3: I think, I think you're right. Now, where is that famous jersey, the first number six jersey from 1980? Have you, yep. you still got it?
2: Yeah, it's hanging up in my wardrobe in, in, on the Gold Coast. <laughs> so it was on loan to the QRL for a while, and then uh, I was going to get it framed and give it to one of the kids, and I couldn't work out which one to give it to, so <laughs> I just put it there. And every once in a while, I take it to put it on and see if it still rejects the, um, it's bulletproof in that.
3: Now, do uh, many from the original side still get together for any reunions?
2: You know, the Forks do a really good job of doing that, but, you know, it's so diverse these days, you know it uh, it's difficult um you know particularly the last two years with COVID, you know not too many people got together at any point but uh you know there's always you know i've caught up with the guys i used to catch up with regularly with um i see malafi a bit and um, of course choppy and uh i haven't seen ollie for a couple of years but rod morris uh, all those guys as I say the fogs do a great job as you know of trying to keep that spirit mm. alive
3: thirty thousand dollars per game now to play state of origin i say that again, per game. Can yeah. you recall how much he got paid per back again. then? Yeah,
2: I think it was about $1,500. Oh,
3: well, that's not bad for 1980.
2: I said, it was one of my best paychecks ever. <laughs> you know, you consider what um, real estate was worth in 1980, and that uh, yeah, was good. Uh, I think there was a uh, – I can't exactly remember how Ross did it, but there was, there was a, it was a set fee plus a, a part of the, the gate. And um, I think it's about fifteen
3: hundred bucks. Uh, top the head, and we'll we'll talk about it really soon. You're a selector for many years, and, and when I was fortunate enough to play in two thousand and three, I remember getting a, a check about six weeks after the series, and I opened it up and had a check for five thousand dollars, and I thought, hang on a sec, do you get paid to play this? Oh, you'd play it for free if they <laughs> handed you a jersey, wouldn't you?
2: You would, you would. But it's, it's a nice bonus, as I said, you know, helps put your kids through school, Scotty.
3: Yeah, now, Queensland selected for many years. When was your first year? When did you finish?
2: Yeah, I was here about uh, 1996, it was, you know, in the middle of the Super League war. Yep. There was a bit of a debacle, and Dez um, moved across to Super League for a couple of years. And uh, i previously previously... Um, Uh, Worked with the QRL as as a junior coach, and then as a uh, country selector and resident selector. So back in those days, too, the residents were a pretty strong competition. As you know, the the Brisbane clubs then played uh, and Queensland country clubs formed together and played against New South Wales in the warm up. So uh, I was lucky enough to the most of the nineties to to see most of the games because I was the chairman of selectors for the countries uh, for Queensland country and Queensland the residents. And then got a call from ross to say that um would i like to be involved with origin and that started the journey so uh yeah that was great that was 1996 i think it was and then um benny sacked uh, i was in great company he sacked arthur Lee jeeves and myself when he came back in 2001 i think but uh, that lasted a couple of years and then ross rang me again and said um uh, well things have changed a bit we'd like to come back and i went back in about 2003 and uh, then went through to
3: 2017. So you you went through uh, that that really strong year, the uh, period I should say for Queensland when a lot of those players came in for their first time. Smith and Cronk and Slater and Co. Yep. How was it through yep. that period as a selector? Was it? I wouldn't say was it easy. Was it easier as a selector knowing you had a core of players that were all around the same age and dominating their week to week rugby league?
2: Yeah, it was interesting. You know, you got a couple of periods there, particularly in the late uh, the 1900s, you yeah, know, 1996 to 2000. You know, we had the Brisbane court at that point in time. We had Wendell and, uh, and, of course, Alfie and Kivy and all those sorts of guys, which made a great Andrew G, whatever. You know, it was good to be then. And then um, the world started to change. And we had a couple of uh, uh, coaches, first of all, I think Michael Hagen and uh, uh, Muppet. Um, yep. And then... Uh, Mal got the job in 2006, I think, and things looked a little bit dusty there because I can remember in 2000 when we got beaten by plenty at the opening of the Sydney Stadium, it wasn't a great feeling. But, um, you know, there was a period there in 2006 where we were all scratching our heads and, you know, I can remember the New South Wales Blake saying that both uh, Petro and Pricey were done with and so was Lockie. And I think there was a, a point in time where, you know, a few of those guys needed to stand up, and they did. And and then in Melbourne, in that last game, uh, where we've come from behind to um, win the series, and then the ball started to roll, and that group gelled, and there's some great players that come through. so I've know, already, I've the, always the history he- in that group. And-
3: yeah, I've always heard that story, Smithy. I, I didn't know whether it was just an urban legend, and you being a selector, that there was a discussion between Mal and... And Petro and Stephen Price and some of those senior players that if they didn't win that third game, that the selectors would go down another path. So that's that's a true story, is it?
2: Well, I think you know it was it was fairly obvious. You know, if we don't win the series, you know, and this is one of the early days of Mal's coaching. You know, I think he basically you know derived this narrative. The fact is that if we don't win, you know, this is all about winning, guys. If we don't win, we're all at risk, and, mm. and it, you know, particularly some of the senior players. You yeah, I love Petro. You know, I used to sit there and listen to some of the other, you know, we, we'll call them you say, wild selectors, about, um, you know, how Pricey and uh, Petro were just going through the motions. But I can tell you, you know, in every game at crucial points in time, the two of them would just take the ball and make those 10 or 15 metres every time mm. and start the ball rolling. And then, like he'd go down the back of that, I, I wouldn't swap them for anybody. You know, they were two of the best um components, you know, the best uh, advocates of their, their positions that I've seen. They yeah. just did their job.
3: Well, Alan Smith, it's been... And, you
2: know, uh... doesn't matter. That's what Queenslanders do. You don't have to be the, t- the biggest, and New South Wales always used to go for the, the the biggest pack they could find. You know, we always went for the players that could do the job.
3: Yeah. Well, we could sit here for a another couple of hours and talk about the history of origin, not only you as a player, but also as a selector and some of the decisions you've had to come up with over the years. In 2001, of course you had to debut, I think nine or 10 players. There's a, another show just completely about that series as well. But that has been our first episode of origin legends, the untold stories. It's been a, a great look at back at rugby league's most prized possession. And, and those that have carved the path for many players that have come after them. And Alan Smith, you have been one of those. And thanks for joining us and look back at what was a great career.
2: Thank you, Scotty, mate. It's great to reminisce. It was a very good part of life, and you know, Origin has played a big part of my life. And uh, hopefully for many years to come, particularly this new group, we can enjoy more Queensland wins.
3: Yeah, absolutely. This is Origin Legends, the Untold Stories, proudly brought to you by Armorex by Franklin, security screens with strength and looks.
0: Proudly supported by Franklin, this is SEN's Queensland Origin Legends, the Untold Stories.